Good morning. All right. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> Sorry. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. <laughs> have you ever woke up and felt like your face was just melted into the pillow that's kind of how I was this morning and you know <laughs> no no I know where I'm at I can't remember by his name this morning but um and marriages are are filled with highs and lows. <laughs> this morning, uh, well, early this morning. What was it? About two o'clock this morning. Andrew woke me up. And she said, "You're snoring." <laughs> I said, "I'm, I'm sorry." <laughs> so you know, I went back to sleep. <laughs> and when my clock went off this morning, I woke up. You know how it is. Going to turn over and look at my beautiful wife. Nobody's there. I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> she comes in a few minutes later. She was not smiling that this time. I said, where were you? The couch. Okay. I went to hug her, and I got one of those lean-ins. <laughs> I didn't even get a two-arm hug this morning, Brian. So, yeah, that's the beginning of my day. So here we go. Let's see if we can make it a little bit better. Yeah, well, now it will. <laughs> All right. Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. We're trying to wrap up Peter. Uh, what did he say? I didn't hear you. Oh, you didn't get the elbow treatment? Well, something woke me up. I don't know what it was. <laughs> kind of like an angel kicking Peter to try to wake him up. She... Um, all right, Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. Uh, well, we'll go to verse 1. I don't know why I say 2 every time. And when he called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. All right, so here we go. <laughs> Everybody ready? We went through this last Sunday. I got a bunch of nods. Yeah, I'm ready. And then when I ask a question, <laughs> nothing. So, all right. So, the th some th just some things we learned about Philip, just to drill it in your mind. Philip was the brother of... All right, now y'all are just playing with me now. Philip, the brother of Andrew, okay, the son of... You didn't write that one down. Okay. <laughs> 
Who is uh, Peter's dad's name? Jonas. Good, good. Grew up in the region of, not the city, the region of Galilee, city of Bethsaida. Good. Sometime later they moved to Capernaum where they had a, what kind of business? Fishing business with who? At least James and John, the sons of Zebedee. All right, good, good. Very good. Do you write down, Jonas? Write it down. You just said you didn't write it down. So we've talked about Peter. We've talked about different things. He was the leader. Um, I didn't bring it out this time, but I have almost every other time. When it says in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 10, the first, that means the, really the chief. And so we believe Peter was the leader of this group of 12 um, who were set aside for a special purpose. And we're dealing with a few things. We've been talking about... Um, Important events in Acts with regard to the Apostle Peter. Yes, sir. Okay. Go ahead. Question already? Well, you may have covered this previously when I wasn't here or when I wasn't paying attention. But we've, we've established that Jesus did not go to every one of them's house and say, Hey, I'd like you to follow me. The, the choosing was progressive or along the way if, if you would want to say it like that have you studied anybody that gives a timeline from when the first was chosen on the first of the 12 until the last of the 12 you understand what I'm asking a timeline like how long it took, how long it took to for him to call no I haven't I haven't Does anybody cover that that you know of? I haven't seen anybody address that seen yeah I just thought about that no what he's asking is, over how many years did he call these 12? Does anybody know or does anybody ever talk about it? I've never seen anybody address I mean, hierarchy it. hierarchy among the 12 would have to sort itself out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No idea. Good question. But, no, I'm not sure. Um, it, it, I mean, it, I guess it depends on your definition of the word long, but it couldn't have been too long because he had a ministry for probably a year or a year and a half before he ever brought these 12 in. Yeah. Now, not that they weren't following him, but being part of, the, you know, this group of 12 that he, that he set aside. So, um, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Very good question. Jim, are you, are you thinking maybe a seniority type thing? No, no. I was just thinking about... He asked that last time he was here. He asked, do we think these names are in some type of yeah, in seniority rank? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were already disciples, right? They were already disciples. And so, you know, we, we read before that he went out and he prayed about it. Mm -hmm. And he chose 12 right. but that were already disciples. That's not that all 12 were already disciples, or not that all 12 became disciples at the same time. At the same time, right, I yeah. Guess, I guess this mm -hmm. is pointless, but that's just the way yeah. I think about things. Yeah, it's pointless. No, <laughs> no, it's a good question. I mean, I guess if I think about it, just my thought is, I, I guess I've just always kind of thought it was pretty quick. Well, me too. I mean, 
you know, but maybe it wasn't. But, but here again, I had always thought about, you know, as, how do I want to express this? We know he had a large following, mm-hmm. and out of those he chose 12. I had always thought about him just walking down the road and saying, hey, come on with me, you come with me, you come with me, you come mm-hmm. with me. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't know. And it might behoove us to go to another gospel and take a look. That, that may be something. I know there's something there. You don't see the call of all of them together, but there are several that are kind of machine gunned together, at least in the Scripture, you know, and I'm not sure whether or not it says in the day following and the day following. I'm not sure about that, but look at that. But, you know, yeah, yeah. So when it, you know, he calls, he call, you know, you got Andrew and John, you got Peter, and then you go to Philip and, uh, uh, well, James, and then you go to Phil, James and John, Philip and um, Bartholomew, you know, that's kind of, Shotgun together there um, at, at one point, but again, I don't know if the scripture says the day following, the day following, but you've still got some that aren't included in that right. passage of some scripture. Of the so, make sense that they would be together because they're brothers. yeah, yeah, true, yeah. And these first four were in business together right. uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Yep, so yeah, we don't, we just don't know that, but we're, we're looking at things in, in Acts with regard to. Uh, Simon Peter. So let's look at Acts chapter 5. Now we've looked at Peter on the day of Pentecost, and that's what he's, well, that's one of the things he's famous for. Um, he preached on the day of Pentecost, and these things we've looked at, especially last week, we looked at Acts chapter 4, where where he and another couple of the apostles, but he was he was highlighted um, where they defied the Sanhedrin. They called them in, put them in prison, said, don't preach in the name of Jesus, let them go. They started preaching in the name of Jesus. They called them in, they beat them. They said, don't preach in the name of Jesus, and they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And that always amazes me that they could leave so joyful after being in prison and beaten like that. Um, but that's what we looked at last time. And I said we'd look at this, so let's look at Acts chapter 5. A very interesting event occurs here. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man, and, and again, we're not just reading passages in Acts. These are passages in Acts. These are important things in Acts associated with Simon Peter. So Acts 5, 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, there's a problem with that. Hopefully, everybody in here knows this account. So we know what's going to happen. So what's the problem? I mean, when you sell something, do you bring, do you give the whole amount to the church? Maybe sometimes, but when you sell something, do you give part to the church or do you give the whole thing? Which one? Most of the time. Yeah, sometimes you do. Most of the time, you don't. Do you give your entire income to the church or do you give a portion of your income to the church. Most everybody in here, I'm sure, is a portion. So what's, what's wrong? Why, 
Why is there a problem? I guess we should read a little bit and see what happens and then ask that question. Notice verse 3. But Peter said, Peter steps forward and takes the initiative here and says, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. I imagine so. So what's the problem? God killed him. Why? Let's read 32 through 37. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. And by the way, a church ought to always be that way. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. Now, that is not a directive to the church to do that. It's just what they all agreed through, uh, the, the, I believe, the leading of the Holy Ghost for them to do was to have all things common. They brought their possessions and they just shared everything. They made an agreement, they made a pact, not with themselves only apparently, but with God, that they would do this. And this is how they would live. Verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was, any, neither was there anything, uh, I'm sorry, Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of these things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Now, these people back in this day didn't live on the high horse like we do. And even people that we don't think live on the high horse nowadays, back in this day, they would have been considered living on the high horse. A lot of these people had nothing. They were needy. They were poor, destitute. And they decided, we're going to come together. And here's what we're going to do. Whatever we've got, this group of people, ever how many it was, whoever it was, said, we're going to sell what we own. We're going to bring all of the money. All of the money. Um, where does it say that? End of verse 34. They sold these things, lands, houses, sold them, brought the prices of the things that were sold, not part. Brought the whole thing and laid it down at the apostles' feet. And what they do with that? This wasn't just a, a get-rich scheme by the church, okay? But there's a lot of that going on today, but that's not what this was. What did they do with that? Look at the last half of verse 35. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. They took care of each other with that. That is how they survived and that's how they lived. Verse 36. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money 
and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we're being introduced to a guy named Barnabas, who we will talk about much later. But he did this. And so this is what they've agreed to do. That's the setting. They've agreed to do this. They've made a pact. They're going to do it. I believe they've probably told God they're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to live. And then you have Ananias selling his land and keeping back part of it. Um, Now, in today's world, um, you know, would you think that would merit being killed? (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. He, He lied to the Holy Ghost. And... Hey, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I mean, God was totally justified in what he did, 100%. But I've always just had thoughts about this. How many people have come to the altar and said, just in general, God, I'm in trouble. If you'll get me out of this, I'll dedicate my life to you. And God gets them out of that. And they end up doing the same thing they used to do. Okay, why? Because, and I don't, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say because I'm not justifying what you just described, but in, the, in that moment of need or in that despair, the guy you're talking about probably meant to do that. He probably meant, that was probably, how do I want to say it, an earnest intent. Mm-hmm. This was not. So you don't think that when Ananias made this pact before he ever sold this land that he intended... We don't know that Ananias made that pact. Well? We don't know that Ananias was part of that group. It just says he was a certain man. That's true. You're right. Um, maybe we can assume that. Maybe. I don't, I don't think there's any harm in assuming yeah, that. Yeah, Because we're told that all, these, all this group of people came and they had everything in common mm-hmm. in, in the verses before this. So we don't know. So yeah. d- was he earnest at one time? And he went back on his word? Buy his way into the group, or he may have been trying to buy preeminence. Yeah. Well, that's a, that, most that's a good point. But we do know that he lied to the Holy Ghost. Right. Yes, sir. Sure. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Well... Sure, sure. But the thought but he lied to the Holy Ghost. No doubt. No doubt. So whether he intended to or not, he evidently said what we would say, you know, like, you know, God, I'm gonna do this. I'm sure there was a lot of justification in it as well. Yeah, whether he meant it sure, whether he meant it or not, we don't know. But my my thought has always been, why? Why them? Why kill them and not kill the one that I I said? <coughs> Or somebody that does exactly what they did. Surely there's been people who have done that through history. And maybe God's killed them all. I don't know. Um, but I've always wondered why. Um, it, it's, it's, sure. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were told, and we hadn't read about Sapphira yet, but we were told that she knew about it. So they evidently talked about what they were going to do with this money after they sold it. And I believe, we don't know this, I believe they both had already made a pact before that to say we're going to sell what we have and we're going to give it all to the church just like everybody else. And then they didn't. And that's the problem. But still, I still have the question, why? Why kill them? It's it's kind of like to me, um, and you don't get every question answered, but it's kind of like to me, you know, uh, I'm going blank on the guy's name. They were carrying the ark on a cart. Uh, Uzzah. They were carrying the ark on the cart. God's, that's not how God said carry it. God said take those, those rods or whatever you call them and put them in those rings and carry it on your shoulder. That's how he said carry it. But David wanted that thing back, and I guess he wanted it back quickly, so they put it on an ark. And it was going through the mud, and it started to tip over. And so Uzzah reaches out to steady it to keep it from falling in the mud. And he touched it, and God killed him on the spot. I've always wondered, well, I've always thought, wow, that seems harsh. Now, you may, you may not think, and, I, and, and you may not think that, and that's okay, but I do. I've always thought, wow, that, that seems harsh. He's justified in doing it. And then I read somebody that said, what made Uzzah think that he, he was any cleaner than the ground it was about to fall on? Even the ground... And all, everything that God made obeys him. Man, don't. But the big part is God said don't touch it. Right. He said do not touch it. And Uzzah touched it. Period. That's kind of where, exactly where I wanted to get with this. Acts is a transitionary period. When you got a new thing, you got to have new rules. Yeah, yeah. And now, I don't know whether this particular event is transitionary or not. Right. It's in Acts. But there are some things that go on in the Bible that just don't, they don't go on today. Right. I mean, the Israelites were told back in the day of the law, you know, if a man picks up sticks on the Sabbath, you stone him. Well, we don't do that today, you know. Things in Acts are going to happen. Maybe we'll see them. We will see some of them. We have seen some of them. Things are going to happen in Acts that don't happen nowadays. And it's going to depend on what part of the church you fall on. Now, I, I, would, I would tend to say, in general, as Baptists, you know, we don't believe there are any apostles today. But there are some churches that do. And there are some churches that call their leaders apostles. And some of these men claim to be able to put hands on people and heal them and do miraculous wonders and things like that. And I just believe that most all of that was a transitionary time in the building up of the church. And so we're going to see things that happen in the book of Acts. And it's going to seem odd and out of place to us 
because God is not doing these things and dealing with man the same way today as he was back then. So maybe this is a transitionary thing to where he was setting up the church and he had and there was a way for these people to live and but the big thing was they disobeyed. That was that's the big thing. Now, you can sit there and say, well, you know, I feel like God punished me for this because I disobeyed and he didn't punish John Doe over here. That's not the point. The point is that you, and God may not have punished you for that anyway, but if so, if, if judgment has come on you for some decision you've made, it's because you made the decision to go against what God said. And it's as simple as that. Just like with Uzzah, God said don't touch the ark. He touched it. God killed him. God's justified. Whether we think he is or not. Ananias and Sapphira sold some land that belonged to them. But it wasn't really theirs. But it belonged to them on this earth. They decided to hold back part of it. God killed them. He was justified whether or not we think he was or not. He's justified in doing it because they disobeyed. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, in, line, in holding it back was their deception. One other thing to consider is that we're looking at this with 2,000 years of hindsight. And not only that, we're looking at it with a rule book. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the book, so God gave them a picture. <laughs> That's a good point. We've got things in black and white. We can go back and learn from these mistakes, although often we don't. But we're, we, can, we can learn from these mistakes. Right. And they didn't have the New Testament, sure, sure. But they had all come together and promised that they were going to do this and evidently made a quote-unquote covenant with the Lord that they would. And so they lied, and God killed Ananias. Um, let's see, verse 6. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. They had already agreed on this. (laughs) Then Peter said unto her, It's Peter, Peter, Peter. Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and they shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. Now, we think of fear a lot of times as a bad word. It says that fear came upon all the church. Is that necessarily a bad thing? No. No. Godly fear is a, is, is a good thing for us to have. The Bible tells us to fear the Lord. It's not a bad thing. Um, now, there are different times when, you know, things happen, people are being persecuted, and people are in fear. That's a different, that's a different type of mindset. But Peter is evidently very prominent even here. Um, let's see. Let's look at Acts chapter 8. Verse 
Acts chapter 8. Peter's going to Samaria. Now, just real quick Bible lesson. Who were the Samaritans? You're going to hear that in the Bible a lot. Samaria, Samaritans. They were half-breeds. Is that what you said? Okay, explain. Okay. They were half-Jew, half-Gentile. Yeah, half-Assyrians to be specific. Yep. So when the Assyrians came and took captivity of the Jewish people, yes, sir, northern ten is what he said if you couldn't hear him. They would take the best of the people out of the land and they would take them to Assyria. And they would bring some of the worst of the people out of Assyria and bring them back here into the land of the the ten tribes. And they would intermingle and marry and have kids, and there you go. That's the Samaritans in the Bible. And the Jews loved the Samaritans, right? Wrong. The Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. If you remember, when Jesus went to that well... And the woman of Samaria was there gathering water. She basically, Jesus started talking to her. She said, why are you talking to me? Jews don't have anything to do with us Samaritans. Um, So they had nothing to do with them, which is amazing even here. Peter went to Samaria for the purpose of preaching the gospel to the Samaritans. A Jewish Peter went to Samaria. To preach the gospel. So, Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. You know, that kind of reminds me, it, it amazes me how that happens a lot of times. You take somebody that we consider heathen who have maybe never even heard the name of Jesus, which blows my mind, but it happens. Maybe never even heard the name of Jesus. You can go and preach to them and a multitude will be saved. And you come back to a group of people who've gone to church their whole life and sit on the Baptist pew and are lost, and it takes forever to get anybody saved. That amazes me. So they went to Samaria, and Philip preached to them, and they believed. And verse 6, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon. Now this is not Simon Peter, of course which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with his sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered 
beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, you got the picture. Philip's preaching to them. Many of them are saved. You got a guy named Simon who made a lot of money fooling these people. Not to say that he wasn't really doing some stuff because sorcery is real. And that kind of uh, demonic stuff is very real. Um, ends up, the Bible says he believed and started following Philip and was watching Philip do these miracles. Now, when the apostles were in verse 14, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come, come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now, what's up with that? I told you, there's some things in Acts that are just not that way today. Evidently, many times in the book of Acts, someone would believe, and then the apostles would put their hands on them, and the Holy Ghost would come upon them. Or, like in the house of Cornelius, Peter would be preaching, and the Holy Ghost would fall down upon them. Okay? So, these people went that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And the Bible goes on in verse 16 to say, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon, now this is the sorcerer, saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon, the sorcerer, and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So Peter, taking a prominent role, it's no surprise, we know this about him, taking a prominent role in the building up of the church. It's starting to spread now from Jerusalem out into these uttermost parts, into, these, into Samaria, and it'll go on even further. Uh, but Peter is taking a prominent role. All right, you rang the bell, right? So we'll quit right there. Next time, we got one more thing to look at, and then we're going to look at, and I think lastly, we're going to look at Peter's contribution to, to our Bible. Um, we have a lot to thank Peter for <laughs> in our Bible. Now, ultimately, of course, the Bible is inspired by God. We all know that. But Peter made a great impact on this word. Not only is he talked about, but he wrote a couple of different letters that they saw fit to include, God saw fit to include in his complete word. And so we'll look at some of that later. What did he write? Why did he write it? When did he write it? And then ultimately, we'll look at what happened to him in the end of his life. Okay? All right, Chris, you want to dismiss us?